all you beautiful people out there in podcast land. My name is Paul Workman. And I'm Zach McCoy. And we are your Oscar Grouches. Welcome back to our Thursday show, Thursdays, a show where we take a look at the perennial Oscar Bridesmaid and Network of Cinema, the one only Martin Scorsese. And Zach, what movie are we watching this week? This week, we're watching Boxcar Bertha, the story of train robbers and lovers on that wild road to mayhem and infamy. Mm-hmm. So it's your first time seeing Boxcar Bertha. Yes, I've owned it for many years, but never watched it before. What about you? Uh, I never owned it. I didn't get that same box set that you mm-hmm. got. I got a different box set. Mm-hmm. But I have also never seen this film, and I'm very excited because, again, it's produced by American International Pictures, the one Mr. Roger Corman, and I like filling in any gaps I have in my Corman filmography. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do not have an Oscar breakdown for this. Uh and just a little spoiler, it is not in the National Film Registry, so we're just going to jump right into our thoughts about the film. How did you enjoy Boxcar Bertha? This is one of those movies that, if I didn't know it was Martin Scorsese, my bias is colored, my opinion made me more interested as I watched it, because I was looking for certain things, like you know his directorial style and stuff. I think without that, I would have been just like, oh, this is pretty good and entertaining. Um, but, you know, I'll I'll echo a sentiment. I think Roger Ebert was the one who said something like, uh, you know, you see the, the typical trappings of exploitation with the violence and, and uh, some sexual content. But the way uh, Marty handles it elevates it a little bit. It adds some artistic elements that you might not typically see um some of the the shots he uses the the zooms and close-ups or angles and i'll talk about the ending of the movie in a little bit but um yeah i i did enjoy it how about you i i also enjoyed this and i mean again as i discussed last week i enjoy exploitation as it is mm-hmm uh, mostly because I know it's placeholder in cinema, yeah, as kind of the the alternative to the mainstream and how uh, it functioned as a more artistic expression for a lot of people. And Marty says himself that uh, Corman handed him the script and said, "You can rewrite this in any way you want. Just remember to put nudity <laughs> a few times." Uh, Marty said. He told him to put nudity every 15 pages, and Corman says it was, he said two or three times, which we get. Um, yeah, and I, I feel like you can really feel Scorsese kind of bubbling under the surface of this film. Uh-huh. He's, he's putting his mark on a Corman picture, uh, and what a mark he puts on a picture that he has given next to no budget and 24 days to shoot. Oh, wow. Yeah, shot in 24 days. And I mean, for the shoestring budget, this film looks incredible. Right, yeah. I cannot believe how well this held up over those last 50 years. Uh, And whatever he, however he was able to get some of these shots was just fantastic. There's there's one of the bank robbing scenes where he's getting these like overhead shots in this small bank that I, I have to say, I... I've always been impressed with Scorsese. Of course, I decided to dedicate a whole second show to him, but 
uh, I don't think I've ever been like the the film itself is is fun and it's fine, mm-hmm. but I don't think I've ever been as impressed with him as watching him just take this material and try to make it yeah something he's interested in yeah i'll say you know i think barbara hershey and david carradine were uh good they're fine i mean they were real life lovers as this movie was uh being made and you could tell you know they've got that lovey-dovey kind of chemistry going on yeah they're real sweet with each other i was um bernie casey i have to say was my favorite part of this movie is uh bond oh Vaughn. 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 oh yeah 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 I I thought, you know, he's quiet and understated a lot, but in the end, there. Um, yeah, I'll hold off on that for a couple of minutes. But okay, <laughs> I I was also really big on Barry Primus's rake. I think he was excellent. Yeah, yeah, he was he was pretty electric. Uh, he he really brought a vitality to the film, like like Bernie Casey. Bernie Casey gave it a kind of gravity mm-hmm. where Barry Primus just just came in and electrified every scene he was in. Yeah. And, and they're both they're both serving such such different yet very important purposes in this film. And I think they both kind of just steal this movie. Yeah. I mean, I, I recognize Barry Primus and um I'm kind of glancing at his uh, filmography here as I'm sitting here. I see we've got another movie coming up with him in a, a few weeks. So okay. that's cool. And he's been in a bunch of stuff more recently too. That's awesome. Um, oh, Bernie Casey was Felix Leiter in uh, Never Say Never Again, the unofficial Bond film. Yeah, and it looks like he was in some um, black exploitation films. Like, uh, oh, he's in Cleopatra Jones. Mm-hmm. Mm. Cornbread Earl and me is probably the film I recognize him from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but no, I, you talk about how it holds up. Uh, the color. Oh, no, he was John Slade and I'm going to get you sucker. Oh yes. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> that's, that's if I, if I really sat down and ranked by like top 50 films, I'm going to get you suckers up there. Nice. Very nice. No, I actually haven't seen that. Oh, I, it's I one. Of, it's one of the funniest films you'll ever see. It's okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just no. I, anytime my brain just shuts down when I hear the the title of that film. No, that's good. I'm writing it down. I mean, I, I've I've heard of it, but I'm putting a star by. It's like watch. It's um, Keenan Ivory Wayans. That's right. Like right before In Living Color, mm-hmm. right after Hollywood Shuffle. Uh, doing a complete spoof of black exploitation. It's, nice. It's so good. Right. Yeah. Um, but you were talking about how it's uh, held up and um, the preservation of the film itself is really impressive. The picture is so, uh, the copy I watched um, from the box collection, sharp picture, good colors, uh, clean uh you know the editing's all right i i feel like you know if you've got marty and thelma together on this it kicked it up another notch but (laughs) yeah probably but you know it was all right uh as far as editing um i enjoyed soundtrack yeah soundtrack was incredibly good Mm -hmm. uh i'll say with um 
with the soundtrack from this and oh man i was trying to think of the other film i just watched that had a soundtrack this good i think it was a uh, sounder oh yeah sounder's good no, sounder really had good. a great soundtrack so yeah. I, I just with, with a lot of the things we watched this week uh great yeah, scores that... and soundtracks all around yep yep um I see it was, you know, it's a loose adaptation of Sister of the Road, a pseudo-autobiographical account of the fictional character Bertha Thompson. Um, that's interesting. I, I wonder if that's like a collection of you know, so, kind of myths and legends or something. So apparently um, the author of that book, who's Ben L. Reitman, uh-huh. uh, published the book under Bertha Thompson's name. Oh, Gotcha. So she's not a real person, uh-huh. but she's credited as the author of Sister of the Road, which was written by this this man who used her as a pseudonym. Um, and uh, Roger Corman's wife claimed that they got the rights directly from Bertha Thompson. And <laughs> to this day, nobody knows whether she was lying to keep the uh to keep the anonymity of ben reitman uh-huh. or if she was fooled into thinking that she was talking to someone who was claiming to be bertha thompson <laughs> and, and some some woman sold her the rights to this to the book that's great uh so uh nobody knows what the real story is which is incredible to me i love that yeah <laughs> thank you for sharing that <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah uh yeah i'd actually be really interested to to read what this book is because that sounds fascinating to me mm-hmm. yeah i think um you know if if somebody were asking like uh what kind of movie it is. I, I'd compare it fondly to like a Bonnie and Clyde type thing. Um, and I think the violence in particular, you know, exploitation, uh, you know, makes the most of violence, but you got somebody uh, behind the camera calling the shots that <laughs> for whatever reasons, he, he just makes violence look so stylized and and uh arresting like you know some of the 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 scenes like where um where rake gets shot um or you know the ending scene where it's just like the massacre and all all the the blood everywhere but but it's shot in such a way that's very personal yeah Oh, and he's got that one shot in the massacre at the end where he puts the actor on a dolly, and when he when the actor when the character gets shot, they push the actor towards the train on a dolly. Oh yeah, that was yeah. I, I wish they would have done that a little bit more. Yeah, there were some interesting things going on there, definitely. Um, yeah, and and I was reading Roger Ebert's review of this, mm-hmm. and uh, Roger Ebert. Again, it's just this this voice for for Scorsese in his early days, and he mm-hmm. you know he pushed him with uh, "Who's that knocking on my door?" Uh, and he 
interviews him with Woodstock, which which is essentially what gets him this job. Corman was so impressed with Woodstock and he liked who's that knocking on my door that he was like, hey, you've done all this editing for me. I'm, I'm going to give you this movie. Yeah. Um, and Ebert was saying how impressed he was that with most exploitation films, the violence feels very kind of like throwaway and celebratory. It's like, hey, look at this violence. Don't you love violence? And right. in this, Scorsese makes the violence uncomfortable right and he makes it matter and while it's stylized it's still very like nobody's happy that they're killing somebody for any reason even even if it's as justified as the massacre at the end mm-hmm. yeah you're watching this group of men crucify a human being <laughs> on the side of a train yeah it's like do those men deserve to die maybe somebody makes that judgment and they're all dead at the end of it, but it's at no point does he look like he's having a good time doing it. Right. Right. You know, yeah. Even like you talk about the violence, uh, even the sexual scenes, um, neither the violence nor the sex seems like it's like, you know, it's going to be there because it's exploitation, but it's not forced. It's not like here it is. All of a sudden it feels natural. You know, the, it, they probably didn't need, um, second scene there in the the house that they were in for the uh, sake of the story but like you said (laughs) include it two or three times um but i thought it was funny that they uh, recreated some of those scenes for playboy apparently (laughs) yeah i I mean just overall i i I think this is just a solid film it's it's kind of messy in parts some of the story jumps around and i don't want to say it's hard to follow but like you'll be in the you'll end one scene and you'll pick up the next scene somewhere that doesn't make a lot of sense for the progression of the story. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things that makes me wonder if, if Marty had more stuff in between there and they cut it down to get it down to plus like an hour and 27 minutes. Yeah. Cause that's about where, uh, Corman likes his films to be. Yeah, I think if you had another 15, 20 minutes and maybe if you'd had another week of filming, um, you could have elevated it from good to great. Uh, Right. But, you know, there's a certain kind of charm, even with the flaws of it. it, It's it's like, you know, watching um, an actor if they were like in a play in in high school and they really start standing out or something. I mean, it's a little bit better than that, but yeah. It was also fun watching Barbara Hershey in such a, a early role in a style that, you know, personally, I wasn't used to seeing her in. I mean, I know her no. things like Beaches. Beaches is exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly it. Um, I forget she was in Black Swan, too. Oh, yeah, she was uh, the mom. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's such a good one. Yeah. But she was she was good. I enjoyed her. I, I <laughs> Even if her acting wasn't always perfect i i was kind of lost by her smile she's just got such a great smile that you start smiling too while you're watching her and she has <laughs> a lot of fun with it i think yeah she does uh and and i want to say to jonathan if he listens to this that uh the director of photography on this john stevens also was the director of photography on blackula the same year <laughs> wow <laughs> it was brought up in uh our main series episode yes yeah, and oh, and I love David Carradine. I 
I think he's really good in this movie. Mm. And it's nice to see him share screen with his father, John Carradine, too. Yeah, that was cool. Because mm. I'm a big fan of the Carradine family, including watching Lizzie McGuire. Wait a minute. I, I think I know that. But what's the connection? The dad on Lizzie McGuire is David Carradine's brother. That's right. I <laughs> I knew that, but I'd forgot. Robert it. Carradine. Yes. Oh, Lizzie McGuire. Memories, memories, broken, broken dreams. There's actually a really good film where three of the uh, Carradine brothers play the younger gang. And I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Ah, gosh, that that's like itching a familiar button for me, too. But I'm going to look that up later uh, when we're <laughs> done with this. And I'll try to figure out what it was. It's a really good movie. Good. All right. So, um, yeah, what um small budget 24 days cranks it out. It's beautifully shot, really interesting. Let's see. Do we have any idea how much it made? The total budget was 600,000. I wonder. Um, it's not listed on Wikipedia. <laughs> I don't know. I just clicked off the thing. Uh the movie is called The Long Riders. Okay. All the all the outlaws in it that are brothers are played by actual brothers. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, it's a really good movie. Came out in nineteen eighty. Uh, according to this, the gross worldwide on it was six thousand four hundred forty-three dollars. What? <laughs> uh, it, but, mm. it makes me wonder how it was released. I mean, yeah. I wonder. Also, oh. apparently, uh, Scorsese showed this to John Cassavetes. Oh. And John Cassavetes said, you are too good for this movie. <laughs> you need to not make movies like this. Right. Told him he spent an entire year on making a piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a little harsh, but, you know, I guess. And and I believe he, he tells him that the movie's fine. It's just that. Yeah. It's just that Martin Scorsese shouldn't be making it like like one of those for you. This is a piece of crap for half the guys that are sitting at American International Pictures right now. Right. This is probably the best film they'll ever make. Yeah. <laughs> mm hmm. I liked um, that we had a little cameo from Marty, too, as one of the one of the Johns towards the end. Um. I saw a picture uh, posted on our social medias of him still in a shirt and tie, even at Woodstock. It's like, that's <laughs> awesome. Always a well-dressed man. Indeed. Okay. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and move into some worsty judgments. Okay. So I think like I've been saying, I think we're going to exclude Woodstock in the shorts. Yeah. And uh, Unholy Rollers. So we have this and we have, uh, who's that knocking on my door? Yeah. And I guess I have to ask, is this Scorsese's worst film? You know, I don't think so. I enjoyed who's that knocking at my door, but I think I enjoyed this more. There's, there's more uh, confidence with the camera work, more kind of experimentation. Um, 
I feel like, you know, even though it is exploitation, others, you could feel him pushing through uh, the substance. And I, I, I just think the film looks better. Uh, I really like the color and, and the palette that he uses. Mm. Um, so, no, I, I don't think it's his, his worst. I'm going to go opposite on you for this. And I'm going to say it's it, out of the two we've watched it. It's going to take my number two spot. Okay. Uh, I enjoyed it. I liked it. I think, uh, again, it, it's a pretty solid film. If you're just trying to enjoy something for about an hour and a half. Uh, but uh, I just feel like who's that knocking at my door has, has more of an energy and a, a, a weirdness to it that again, that it's so weird and cobbled together from three different eras of what he was trying to do that I feel like he had more to say with that film than he did okay. this one. Yeah. And uh, it, it feels, it feels a lot more personal. That's true. That's true. Uh, while this one, this one's fun and it's bombastic, but it's, it's, it feels like it's Scorsese trying to make somebody else's movie. Uh, and maybe that's just, you know, the decades of in watching all of, all of his movies that I could, that I just, I don't know. This one stands out so much for me that who's that knocking at my door feels a piece of who Scorsese is. Okay. Yeah. I totally get that. Am I allowed to change my answer in the future? <laughs> I guess <laughs> hey, we'll see. Hey, you know, we're all human and things move around. Yep. There's not much difference for me as, as far as um, ranking them at the moment. So I'm, I'm excited to see where we'll go. Yeah. And, and I mean, just just to go off my letterbox, they gave both of them three and a half stars. Okay. So so it's it's not like it's a, a vast world of difference. It's just that yeah. one one feels one feels like it was made by the person it was made by and the other feels like it could have been it could have been made by anybody but because of who it was made by it's better than it could have been gotcha yeah no disagreement all right i think we're gonna call it there okay and uh zach where can people find you find me on critiker at zach master x-a-k-k-m-a-s-t-e-r or on TikTok, oh, TikTok, <laughs> TikTok at House Havoc. How about you? Uh, you can find me on Facebook. Not Facebook. Don't follow me on Facebook. Um, <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Letterbox, where I keep a running tally of all the films that I watched and a list of all the Scorsese films we have been watching at Father of the Fear across all platforms. And what are we watching next week, Zach? Next week, we're watching Mean Streets. Oh, them streets are getting mean. Mm-hmm. You can stream that on HBO Max or rent it on Amazon, Google, Voodoo, and YouTube. Awesome. We would like to thank Chad from our sister podcast, Loving Up Benjamin. Thanks for producing our show. We would like to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. We would like to thank Megan and Jay Bellevue for our beautiful artwork. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Oscar Pod and on Facebook at the Oscar Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Really helps us to be seen in the almighty rhythm of Al Gore. The rhythm. For myself, Zach, and Bertha Thompson, I would like for you all to have a damn fine day. <laughs> <laughs>